Welcome to Living Word Bible Church, a lovely place for families where we have a passion to sing great songs to Jesus and where sound Bible teaching is central in home groups and in preaching at Sunday service. Good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to Living Word Bible Church, and also welcome to our online viewers as well. Uh, the first reading today will be from John chapter 18, verses 33 through 38. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world was to testify the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate retorted. With this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered, and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. And the second reading this morning will be from Matthew 10, verses 34 through 39. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Charlie. Good morning. How are you all going this morning? Good? <laughs> Thank you for inviting me um, back again. It's always a delight to come back and see um, some new old faces and some new young faces. Um, I really appreciate the, um, the invitation. I'm going to preach to you this morning, and my name's Chris, by the way, if you don't know me, Chris Bishop. My beautiful wife, Debbie, is here as well. Um, I'm going to preach to you this morning on the challenge of Jesus. And my prayer this morning is, is that you come away with a renewed sense of God's love for you, with a renewed sense of what God is calling you to do and to be in him through Christ. And I'm going to be preaching on those two short passages that were read. Jesus said some controversial things in his time, didn't he? He really never stopped saying controversial things. Things that challenged the status quo. Things that challenged the religious leaders of the day. He said it. And those things that he said still challenge us today. Whether we're Christian or whether we're not, they still challenge us today. So let's take a look at John 18. Verses 33 to 38. There it is on the screen. And I'll just take the time to um, remind you of the context before we read it again. So the context is this. In John chapter 18, we've got the lead up to the crucifixion. The high priest has questioned Jesus. Peter has denied Jesus how many times? 
three times. And then you have this fascinating dialogue between Jesus and Pilate. And I'll read it again. Just, just contemplate this because it's, it's, it's really quite fascinating. Pilate went back into the palace and called Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked him. Jesus answered, does this question come from you or have others told you about me? Pilate replied, do you think I'm a Jew? It was your own people and the chief priests who handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus said, my kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom belonged to this world, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish authorities. No, my kingdom does not belong here. So Pilate asked him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say I'm a king. I was born and came into the world for this one purpose, to speak about the truth. Whoever belongs to the truth listens to me. And what is truth, said Pilate. So you hear Jesus saying that his purpose for coming to earth, he came. He came to speak the truth. And even today we have trouble with the truth, don't we? We have a lot of trouble with the truth. So Pilate's question of 2,000 years ago still remains today, doesn't it? What is truth? So can we start with the definition? What is truth? Who's got a good definition of truth? How about just what is? Two words, what is? Truth is what corresponds with reality. So if I say there's a white car out in the car park and I wander out there and I see a white car, what I've said is true. It's pretty simple, isn't it? It's not quite so simple in today's world, though, is it? American Christian apologist J. Warner Wallace travels around being an apologist for the gospel. And, and, and he asks people some interesting questions. He says, why are you a Christian? And what sort of responses do you reckon he gets? Why are you a Christian? Think to yourself, why are you a Christian? He gets these sort of answers. My family are Christians. I've had an experience of God. My friends are Christians. I grew up in the church. It's just natural. But then Wallace goes on to say, when he asks Mormons the same question, guess what? He gets the same answers. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Now, none of those answers are bad or wrong. But shouldn't the main reason we are, we are Christ, we, we should be a Christian is because it's true. That's it. Because it's true. It corresponds with reality. See, we're not Christians because it works or it comforts us or it gives us peace. Although all those things are, are right and good, aren't they? But we are Christians because it is true. Because think about it, in the end, it doesn't matter if it gives you comfort or peace or makes you feel good. If it ain't true, that's no good to you, is it? 
Can you remember how devastated you were when you found out the tooth fairy wasn't true? Mm. Oh, might be some that still think it is. Can you remember how devastated you were that Santa didn't in fact stuff that new bike down the chimney and put it under the tree? Can you remember how devastated you were when you found out it wasn't true? Paul puts this beautifully. I'm going to read from the message that has a really unique take on this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 12 to 15, as I say, reading from the message, if there's no resurrection, there's no living Christ. And face it, if there's no resurrection for Christ, everything we've told you is smoke and mirrors. And everything you've staked your life on is smoke and mirrors. You see, if Christianity is not true, it's just another way of thinking about the world, isn't it? It's just another set of rules that you might want to think about following, along with a whole bunch of other advice you might get in your life. Isn't that true? If it's not, if it's not true, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, as Paul said, our faith is in vain. We are to be pitied more than anyone else. <clears throat> but we do have a problem today with the notion of truth, don't we? A Gallup poll in the US in 2021 said 66% of people, 66%, two in three, for those who are good at maths, do not believe in absolute truth. Two in three don't believe in absolute truth. Because what matters today most is how I feel, my preference. Do I give it a thumbs up? Does it make me feel good? That's what matters more to many people than is it true or not. Yet here in John 18, Jesus is categoric. There's no room for negotiation, no room at all. He didn't say, I came to speak about one version of the truth. He did not say, I've, I've come to give you one and you can make up your own, find your own way to God, you might want to think about this. He said, I have come to speak about the truth. And if you know the Gospel of John well, what does he say in, in John 14, 6? Anyone? I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. In John 8, 31, this will test you. Anyone know what John 8, 31 says? Jesus says, and the truth will set you free. And right at the start of the Gospel of John, the very first verse, John says that Jesus is the Word. Remember? Remember that verse? Word translated from the Greek word logos, which means the ultimate reality. See, for centuries, the Jewish rabbis and the Greek philosophers had been arguing about what was ultimate reality. And John in, in 1 1 says, I'm going to tell you who it is. And Jesus is saying, when he says, I'm the truth, he says, the search is done. The search is over. I am the truth. Can you see how radical that would have been in that day? And you know how radical that is in today's society as well. So if I was to say to you, there is no absolute truth, what would your witty reply be? 
know what the Correct. Thank you. Yeah, that's both of those. Yeah. So is that true, Chris? So is it true that there is no truth? Do you see how bizarre that is? you see how circular that is? You see, things are not true because they work. Think about it. Things are not true because they work. They work because they are true. You can't believe the truth in existence. The truth is independent of your beliefs. Let me give you an example. You walk into the bank. You say to the bank teller, I would like to withdraw $100,000, please. The bank teller says to you, Sir, you have $3.57 in the bank. You say to the bank teller, that might be true for you, but it's not true for me. Now give me my $100,000. What's he going to say? How's that going to work for you? You see, Pilate, when he said, what is truth? He had the truth standing right in front of him, but he couldn't see it. He couldn't see the truth standing in front of him in Jesus. And the beauty and the genius of Christianity is that Jesus is not an abstract truth. Jesus is not a concept. Jesus is not a way of thinking about the world. Jesus came in person. And because he came as a person, we can have a relationship with him. We can know the truth. Despite what anyone else might tell you, we can know the truth today in Jesus. You see, in Christianity, truth is personal. It's not a concept. It's why Jesus came, to speak about the truth. So he came in person not to tell us the truth, although of course he did that, but he came to demonstrate how you live if you belong to the truth. And if Jesus is the truth, you can believe everything he says, right? Everything he says. You can believe everything he says about God. You can believe everything he says about himself. And you can believe everything he says about us as fallen human beings. Think about the implications of that. Just think about the implications of believing the truth of what Jesus says about us. You can know the one true God personally through him. You can have a peace and a joy that transcends any circumstance. You can be sure that even though you are fallen and broken, we are all fallen and broken, Jesus knows us to the depths of our sinful hearts, but he loves us to the skies. And you can know that our relationship with God is not ever, can never, will never be dependent on our merit. It's all a gift of grace. So if you're sitting there this morning wondering whether it's true, fantastic. Check out the evidence. There's plenty of evidence about the truth of Christianity. But ultimately, as in any personal relationship, you're going to have to make a commitment to put your trust in Jesus after you followed the evidence where it leads. C.S. Lewis puts it beautifully. He says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance at all. If it's true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be 
is moderately important. You see, Pilate, standing with Jesus, was not interested in the truth. All he was interested in was getting rid of it, a quick resolution. Get out of my hair. I don't want to deal with this. Jesus came to bring a truth that supersedes our desires, our plans and our thoughts. And I'm going to move on to the second, the second passage, Matthew 10, 34 to 39. Because truth by its nature is exclusive, isn't it? If you say something's true, another view's got to be false, doesn't it? And that doesn't go down very well in our modern society because we have a relative, a relative society that says, you, you can make it up for yourself and everything's fine as long as it works for you. But Jesus came not only to speak about the truth, but as we see in this, this passage that I'll read again shortly, his truth is going to be div divisive. It's going to be, that's just what he's telling us. It's going to be divisive. And the background of Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 39, is that Jesus is in the process of sending out the 12 disciples out to proclaim the gospel, to heal the sick, and it's not one of the better assignment briefings that you'll hear. He says things like, I'm sending you to be sheep among wolves. You'll be flogged in the synagogue. Everyone's going to hate you. Where do I sign up? It's, it's, not a great, it's not a great bookmark, is it? But he's telling him the truth. This is what it's going to be like. Because he's saying, my truth, my gospel will divide by its very nature. So I'll read Matthew 10, verses 34 to 39 again. Do not think that I've come to bring peace to the world. No, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I came to set sons against their fathers, daughters against their mothers, daughters-in-law against their mothers-in-law. Your worst enemies will be members of your own family. Those who love their father or mother more than me are not fit to be my disciples. Those who love their son or daughter more than me are not fit to be my disciples. Those who do not take up their cross and follow in my steps are not fit to be my disciples. Those who try to gain their own life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will gain it. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That's, that's pretty countercultural. That's all or nothing. That's what Jesus is calling us to. That's the challenge of Jesus. What he's saying here, it's inevitable that the gospel message will result in division. Inevitable. He holds nothing back. And what he's partly doing is correcting a false assumption about what the Jewish Messiah's mission was. Because in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 5 to 7, the Messiah is described as the Prince of Peace. But the Prince of Peace wasn't to bring peace on earth. It was to bring peace with God. You get the difference? It was to make a way for us to have peace with God. And the gospel is such a penetrating message that it acts like a sword. It pierces our hearts because it calls us to love God more than we love our own lives. Hear me right. The metaphor of a sword does not give you permission as, as a Christian to take the sword to 
anyone you're talking to. We must represent Jesus with truth and grace. But it does mean that when you speak the truth, it will cause division. That's just a fact of life. When was the last time at your last family function you said something like, oh, the crows are in good form. I reckon they're going to make the grand final this year. By the way, what do you think about the doctrine of grace? Who's done that lately? Or what about this one? You know Aunt Mabel's in hospital getting her um, hip replaced, don't you? Which brings me, of course, onto the topic. Do you think Jesus really rose from the dead? I mean, can you imagine the room after that? Can you imagine everyone looking down thinking, I wish I was in hospital with Aunt Mabel right now. The gospel will inevitably cause division. And then Jesus notches it up, as he does. And he talks about two things that are most precious to us. Two things, our families and our own lives. And he says, if you are to follow me, you must give up your own, you must lay down your own life and you must put me ahead of your family. He says, if you take up your cross, you need to lay down your life to do that. You see, if any other thing besides God himself is primary in your life, is ultimate in your life, you're going to be let down. You know it, don't you? You know it from personal experience. If you seek career, if you, if you seek um, that ultimate meaning in someone else, in a marriage or in money or in status or in power, if you seek the ultimate reality in any of those things, you know you're going to be let down. You have been let down already. And ultimately, if you put it into a person, that person is going to leave you, they're going to die. And if you put it in other things, those things are going to just pass away. All of those things cannot bear the weight of the love that you have. Only God can bear that weight. So is family a bad thing? Of course not. Family is a great thing. Is career a bad thing? Of course not. Career is a great thing. Is money a bad thing in itself? Of course not. But Jesus is saying here, don't take a good thing and make it the ultimate thing. You see that? We often think of idols as bad things that we make good. What Jesus is saying here is, don't take a good thing and make it the ultimate thing. Don't give anything priority over your love for God. That's what he's saying. That is the challenge of Jesus. And as you're talking to people, some people might say, you know, Jesus was a pretty good teacher, you know, along with you know, Buddha and a bunch of others. Really good teacher. Oh, I like some of his teachings. You might want to say to them, full of grace, but you might want to say to them, do you really know what Jesus taught? Jesus taught that if you are to follow him, you need to lay down your life. Not just grab a couple of good teachings from him and try and make yourself a better person. Do you see the difference? Jesus is challenging us to lay down our lives for him, to put him as first priority above everything. The gospel is an all or nothing proposition. 
Absolute truth is an all or nothing proposition. You're either all in or you're not. And think about it. Did Jesus hold anything back for us? He left heaven. Did he bring a bit of glory down to earth with him? Just in case? No, he did not. He lived as a fully human being. Did he hold anything back on the cross? No, he did not. So what Jesus is asking for us to do is to give us his primary love, not, not just because he, of what he's done for us, because we owe it to him as well. So I'm starting to finish. You'll be glad. And I just want to say that the passage is a serious reality check, or both passages are, aren't they? Jesus is truth. In him you can find all truth and you will only find ultimate reality and purpose. And Jesus calls us in Matthew 10 to put him first, to put everything else second. So if you're a Christian sitting in the room, are you living like it's true? Are you really living like it's true? That's the question I want to ask this morning. Are you seriously thinking through the implications of the truth of the gospel in your life? What does that mean for you when times get tough? Has God suddenly dropped you? Well, not if what Jesus says is true. Can you trust God? with everything in your life, even when things get tough? Yes, you can if what Jesus said is true. Are you compromising on the truth? Are you finding yourselves in situations where it's just a bit easier to take the, take the low road and, and, and not, um, not say you're a Christian, not put forward your, your views in a, in a gracious and loving manner, but in a truthful way as well? Are you doing that? And if you're sitting in congregation this morning and just thinking, I don't know whether any of this is true. What are you on about, Chris? That's fantastic too. Take the time. Explore the truth of Christianity. Read a gospel. Think about the truth and the consistency and the perfection of Jesus' life. Ask yourself as you read a gospel, Ask yourself, really, if you're honest with yourself, is, is the story of Jesus' life really the life of a madman who thought he was God? Is it really the life of a liar who just made all this stuff up? Is that really how you can explain in your own mind the one perfect life ever lived? Ask yourself, what is the most reasonable explanation for the explosion of the Christian church in the first century? Amongst Jews who never, ever would have thought that there could be a resurrection inside of history. The Jews believed there was one final resurrection, but their religion said there was never any resurrection inside of history. And yet these Jews believed in the resurrection inside of history when Jesus rose from the dead.
Think about it. Think logically. If it's not true, how on earth can we explain otherwise the explosion of the Christian church? If you've got a dead and defeated Messiah 2,000 years ago, how can you explain the growth of the Christian church in the last 2,000 years? Just think about that. You see, Jesus is challenging all of us today to take his call on our lives seriously. He is the ultimate reality. He is absolute truth. You can know the truth because the truth is found in the person of Jesus. And he calls us to give him absolute priority in his life ahead of anything else. You see, Jesus came. He came. He came as a person so we can have a relationship with him as a person. Through Jesus, who is God incarnate, we can know the Father. He's done everything he possibly can to redeem us to him, to make a way to the Father. The choice is now ours. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We worship you this morning. That through Jesus and through him alone, we have a way back to you. That in Jesus' perfect life, in his death as a criminal, and in his resurrection, you vindicated him as as the Son of God. Father, we praise you for that event that happened in history. We praise you that we can know, that we can know Jesus personally. And through him, we can know you. Father, I pray for all of us this morning, whether we, we know you, whether we're Christ followers or not. Father, the challenge that you put to us in these two wonderful passages, Father, that, that by your spirit, uh, we would wrestle with them, that we would uh, understand your call in our lives. And Father, we, we would respond in love to what you have done for us. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Living Word Bible Church. Teaching the Bible verse by verse.